everyone. It's me, Ben. And I'm Michael. And uh, we're your armchair rest today. How, how are you doing there, Michael? I am. I'm very good, thank you. It's been a good week. I've played quite a bit of golf myself. But also, it's been a cracking week of sport. You know, I'm still buzzing after when we went to Twickenham uh, and got to see the All Blacks in South Africa. But yeah, no, it's been a very good week of sport. And I feel like there's just been a lot of drama. And yeah, yeah there's that anticipation building towards the Rugby World Cup at the moment. So it's kind of nice we have a, a week off before then. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's been, not been bad. You've really glossed over your golf rounds there. Uh, how have they been going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing that so unfortunately today we couldn't finish because we ran out of light but before then it was looking gonna break 100 maybe which is is pretty good for me and then i played at um this course called muckart which is kind of next to glen eagles about 20 minutes away and i actually recorded my first ever birdie on my first proper birdie and it was so it was like um I was in the bunker and I chipped out of the bunker and it just went straight into the hole. My club was thrown. I had witnesses to verify, so you can't doubt it. I'll, I'll bring them on the call next week just to, <laughs> just to, tell them, to show I'm telling the truth. Yeah, I was absolutely buzzing. It was it was pretty good, thanks. Hey, did you pull out any football celebrations? Like, pull the rope, the robot? What did you Well, you see, was because I was with my girlfriend and her sister, I feel like I couldn't go too rogue. So I feel like the throwing <laughs> of the club was like the most like audacious thing I could think of on the spot. <laughs> So it wasn't too crazy. But then when we played the next day, I was paired with my girlfriend's uh, dad. And then I kind of was just like so chill about it that I was like, you know, shouting like Baba Booey, you know, <laughs> off the tee and like getting the hole. So I think uh, hopefully he, he didn't mind my enthusiasm. But that's enough about me. How, how's your week been? Hey, it's been a big week, actually. Um, obviously, yeah, our trip down to Twickenham was great. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen so many South Africans in one place. Well, that's not South Africa, but I've not been there either. So, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> mate, loved it. Everyone was so gassed, but I'm sure we'll get onto that later. Um, yes, we will do. It was also my sister's 22nd birthday. Um, mm-hmm. Not, not one play of Taylor Swift. She's really done it wrong. That is outrageous. That is yeah. that's criminal. I know. Yeah, because we hit our 22nd birthdays together and we were smashing Taylor Swift. Yeah, it just, it just has to be done. Obviously, it has to be done. But I kind of guess, like, she's 22 for the entire year. So she has many opportunities to play the song. Like, it surely it just can't be played on the birthday. Yeah, that's it. You never know when Taylor Swift's come. She'll <laughs> always be there. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, she, I feel like I, I feel like I see her in the headlines so much these days. Like she is, I actually saw somebody compare her to Michael Jackson, like of our Mad. time, just by like this. Uh, what's what's the tour called? Like Eras, Eras. They are. Oh, I was gonna make a joke about. It. I was gonna say when she's finished, it's gonna be the end of an era. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't jumped in. Oh, that would have been good. Uh, oh. But yeah, you know, um, like I feel like this tour just like exploded. Because like Taylor Swift's like been popular, but she's reached new heights this year. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if she's ever gonna shake that off. Oh, <laughs> oh. oh that's terrible. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, 
my girlfriend's also been on a Hindu this week, so oh yeah, uh, I've, hey, I've been living the the bachelor life at home. Oh yeah, you know what, mate? Do I wash my dishes straight after dinner? No, I left it two no. hours. Good, it's been oh. wild. <laughs> two hours, <laughs> mate. She'd be oh, so ashamed. Wow. I hope she doesn't listen in this week. Yeah, you got to make sure yeah. the house nice and nice and clean for when she gets back. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So there's been that, and you know. A few a few trips to the pub, so it's been good. Yeah, happy days, happy days. Um, so uh, let's move on to uh, the the kind of like the sports roundup, like reading off the headlines. So I'll happily kick us off with South Africa played New Zealand, Wickenham in the final like, warm up match for the Rugby World Cup, and South Africa absolutely thumped them thirty five to seven, which it was a dream come true. Equally, at Twickenham the following day, England went up against Fiji and lost 30-22. to A absolute historic result at Twickenham. I, look, we'll be saying something different when Fiji win the World Cup. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll be... Gotta wait and see. Yeah, you're not wrong, but uh, it's just crazy to think that there were more fans at Twickenham in London that attended South Africa, New Zealand than there were at England, Fiji. Like, we'll come on to that. Um, but Victor Hovland obviously went back to back and won the FedEx Cup. Excuse me, and I talked about on a, on the previous podcast how, you know, he had won... Sorry, he didn't win the... He won... What great 18... delivery there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop, I'll stop. Uh, yeah, Victor Hovland actually... Um, held on to his lead in the final day on fourteen million pounds, which is a pretty hefty check. So he's been cashing in over the past two weeks. And then in Formula One, Max Verstappen, they had the Dutch Grand Prix just this past weekend. He managed to hold off uh, the rest of the field and actually managed to get his ninth victory in a row, which equals the record. This is his eleventh win of the season, and. There's been 14, well, 13 races in total this season. And he's won 11 of them. It's unbelievable. I, I I don't think I've ever seen anything like it, even in Formula One, which has its kind of critics saying it's just, you know, a little procession. But mm. he's mental. He's dominating. Yeah, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And the thing is, there's still so many races left of this season that, you know, he could break that record and put it into out of touch for anybody else. And a bit of a sad one to end on, but the Panthers, the Carolina Panthers, my my sweetheart, my 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 team, they lost against the Lions uh, in their preseason game, twenty-one to nineteen, which means that we went zero and three for preseason. But it's preseason, so we scratch it off and we look forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, there's a big zero and seventeen coming for you. So yeah. why why did you get worried about three? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I, re- I refuse. Yeah, and I'm kind of sticking on the losing NFL theme. Um, my team, the Giants, also lost. So yeah. to their hometown rivals, the Jets. Um, that, mo- I mean, that one must sting. It must sting a little bit. Oh, it does sting. But then when I had a little look through the box score, the Jets kind of putting out the big boys and um, Giants, you know, second team. Like we, we don't, you know, there's no competition. So, right, right, right. So yeah, we still lost. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I guess to be fair, cracking weekend rugby. You've, you've mm-hmm. started with the big two, Mike, but yeah, yeah, you got to think everyone else is ending their uh, World Cup warm ups, and mm-hmm. France did it in style against Australia, forty-one mm-hmm. seventeen, and that's the best I've seen Australia play in the preseason. So yes, yeah, yeah. France are looking scary. Australia aren't. <laughs> they do look scary, just scary in the wrong way. You know, with their poor mullets. Yeah. And um, Eddie Jones is a pretty scary bloke. I, I feel like it's so weird now to see him like, be so Australian. Like, I kind of almost forget that he was, like, in English rugby for, like, good, like, four or five years. It's yeah. But the way he takes on the media, that's a sight to see. Oh, he holds no prisoners. And kind of respect him for it. I'm just... Uh... It would just be better if they were winning. You know, you can back it yeah. if he's winning, but... It's... I reckon their time's coming. Their time's coming. Well, they've lost every game since he's been in charge. I want to say eight on the bounce, but that would be making it up. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll go five. I think it's I think it's something around about five. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Ireland Samoa was way closer than anyone else was expecting. 17-13. And, you know, both teams actually looked all right in that game. So don't write Samoa off. They could be stopping England getting through to the quarterfinals you never know it, that would be um, incredible oh it would not <laughs> yeah. hey, the Scotland Georgia game pretty disappointing to be honest like 33-6 win to Scotland Georgia were absolutely dominating them for the first 35-40 minutes but mm-hmm. as we've seen the Scotland team do pretty much every game this preseason. They yeah. just come out in the second half and just mm. light people up. So yeah. fair play, fair play. And uh, Italy also had a big win so against Japan. So mm-hmm. hopefully Italy will uh, yeah, play some nice stuff. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for our, for our quick roundup then, Mike. Yeah, I think so, though. I think you wrapped things up quite nicely. Lovely. <laughs> All right. Well, from that into our aptly named armchair analysis. Um, we're gonna start. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? We're we're gonna start with the big one, the one that we were down in Twickenham watching, South Africa versus New Zealand. And let's go, oh, mate. I think to start, how good was the atmosphere? Oh, you know what? It's it's actually mind blowing to think that because obviously you and I were at Twickenham about almost coming up to two years ago to watch England versus South Africa, and. The difference between the atmospheres was night and day. So loud. And I also felt, because oh, like I'm not a big fan of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And that's not just because I don't like English rugby. I just think it's like a bit, it's a bit of a dull thing. It kind of gets sung at the wrong times. It felt like because there were so many South Africans and because South Africa were playing so well, everyone was just like feeding off each other and we were just getting louder and louder and louder. Oh, it was It was amazing to be a part of. Yeah, and and when he says South Africa, we're feeding, there were probably about five All Blacks fans in the whole stadium. And <laughs> they, they it, was that they you did. included? Nah, nah, I was the sick. I was the secret sick because <laughs> I left my All Blacks home yeah. and I'm so glad I did. South Africa, like from the off, looked dominant. Um, mm. They took their time getting on the scoreboard though. First kind of, I think about 18 minutes, they were literally just camping down on that New Zealand line. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how you guys didn't get get any points on the board. I was ready. At that point, I was like, 
18 minutes. I'm just going to roast them because I bet New Zealand are going to win it now. And I'm <laughs> so ready to just come and roast you. But um, New Zealand just didn't keep any discipline. A couple of yellow cards and yeah, so have kind of trundled over. It was, it was scary how dominating that that period was though. Um, I know, and I think what I really enjoyed was you could see from South Africa that they had a game plan. And they almost didn't treat it as like a normal test. They te- they treated it as a warm-up for the World Cup. Because within those 18 minutes, we kicked for the corner so many times to go to the line-out. And because we kind of, we wanted to go for the kill, we wanted those, you know, five, seven points rather than just kicking it at the post for three. And I love that. That's a great attacking mentality. And not only is that great in a warm-up game for the World Cup, but also against the All Blacks as well, where they're not just going to give up those points freely. So they wanted to try out, you know, some new moves in the lineouts or going back to basics in the lineouts and just um, seeing what they can do. And I agree, it did take us so long, but I think we've got to remember that New Zealand were cynical at stopping the lineout, which prevented us from scoring. And eventually we did get the yellow card that we deserved. And I mean that as in like New Zealand got the yellow card that they deserved uh, for stopping us illegally. But yeah, it was a little bit painful to watch. It was just, it was almost like we were trying to reach the climax of the, you know, them scoring, but it just never came for so long. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And But when the points started coming, they didn't stop. I mean, five tries and it's your biggest ever record against New Zealand. Yeah. And how good did your team look? Oh, it's just, they looked absolutely incredible. And it just filled me with absolute delight. So you could you could say that the the forwards through like one to eight, that was pretty much the starting lineup. You know, you'd probably you'd probably wouldn't have Mostert in it. Uh oh, you might have him at starting lock with Etzebeth, but yeah, the backs was kind of like a second a second string lineup with, you know, Andre Esterhazen and Kane and Moody in the centres. But, I mean, the back three, we had Damien Willemser, Kurt Lierense and Mapimpi. I mean, that's not far off from being, you know, if that's our second string backs, then, uh, yeah, it's, it's scary to think about what we could do with our first team lineup. Unbelievable. But I am going to say, we're talking about how good and dominating your forwards were. I mean, look, they were all coming off. They all knew they were getting a rest. Like seven <laughs> forwards on the bench was an absolute nuts tactic. Stroke of genius. Stroke of genius. Hey, I disagree. That is only genius if you don't get an injury in the backs. Yeah. yeah. Imagine Manny Lebot goes down. It's like, oh. Well, no, then, right. Okay. If that's the case, there's no, that's no issue, right? Because the 7-1... I have a bit of a rant about the 7-1 and the, the the amount of backlash that it got through the week. But even if we go, let's say we did go 7-1, right? Manny Lubbock goes down injured. Damien Willemser can go into fly half. Kurt Lierense has played 15 for the Blue Bulls in the URC, so he slots in there. And Kobus Reinach, <laughs> as he did on Friday night, can go on the wing and everyone sorted. And then you could even like shuffle everybody around like because Kane and Moody can play anywhere in the back three. And now can play in the centres as well. 
like if you you have one injury and you have to move that many players around, how much does that like mess with your system? I feel like it sounds really good, and you're like, oh, we could do it, but oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't think I wouldn't want England to do it. I'd be yeah, but England I'd... couldn't do it because they don't have like the utility players like this, and in England's current form, you know they can't even do the simple things right when they're all in the right positions. So the to conceive the fact of you know shuffling people around just is infallible. Yeah, to be honest, if we started all 23, I still think we'd lose. Yeah, yeah probably <laughs> would. Probably would. <laughs> no, but it was also, talking to Manny Buck, what a coming of age that was for him. Oh. How much abuse was he getting? He can't oh. kick. Yeah, He can't kick. That was pretty much it, although everyone was saying. But... <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> it was but... fair, though. He, didn't, he was struggling. He was. Yeah. Well, not anymore. He was slotting them. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Five out of five from the tee. And, you know, not all of them were, you know, right in front of the post as well. There were a couple from the sideline. And what was my favorite part of that? So after the game on his Instagram story, like everything he reposted was just him, like, you know, people's like his friends or like people he saw like reposting him kicking from the touchline and making it. <laughs> so he just reposted like 25 different stories, all of the same kick, just to kind of a bit of like, uh, you know, silence in the haters, which she damn right deserves to do. You have to love it. You have to love it. The kid's cool. The kid's cool. Ice in his veins. Ice in his veins. Yeah. But I guess when we're talking about the game, there was two teams there. So we've got to talk about New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And I want to start off with their try. Probably the best try in the whole game. Roy Gard picked up that ball and he just made you all look stupid. And him celebrating at the end was, you know, there's that meme of the guy celebrating so hard. He's he's on the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) That was basically what that try was. Yes. But it was unbelievable. Even before then, you know, there were glimpses of the All Blacks doing really good things. So I think it was Will Jordan's try that got disallowed just before halftime, I think, that got pulled back because Mark Talia had knocked it on. But the All Blacks had the ball for like five minutes and managed to score. So, you know, they still have it in them. And Roy Gard, you know, managed to pull off that magic from absolutely nothing. And, you know, there were maybe like four or five missed tackles from the box that, you know, led to Roy God scoring. So I think there's still a lot of positives that the All Blacks can take away from that. Oh, and there is. I have got stats here to tell oh. you. <laughs> Mate, right, here we go. I don't think anyone that watched that game can deny South Africa deserved to win it. But uh-huh. I also think you can't write New Zealand off here because... No. No, when you look at these stats, right, so New Zealand had a better scrum win percentage. They made more post-contact meters. They conceded more penalties than the yellow cards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they missed 20 less tackles than you. Yeah. And so better tackle completion percentage. Mm-hmm. You know, meters made. It was like poor handling. I think that was the issue. Like mm. passes weren't going to hand, interceptions. Yeah, and on another day, it, they could have been better. I'm, I don't think they'd have won the game, mm. but but I don't think they were as far behind as everyone thinks they might be. 
Yeah, you know, I agree. And, you know, I'm also going to flip this the other way, right? So, yes, there's so many positives for New Zealand takeaway, but then how flipping good is it that the box managed to win and they, you know, missed more tackles, they lost more scrums or, you know, didn't have, uh, you know, as many scrum wins than they did. Like, you flip that in reverse and I honestly think we could have been way more clinical and scored way more points. So it's kind of a weird game and a weird outcome where both of them are, you know, both teams are like, oh, we can improve massively. So it's, yeah, a tale of a tale of two stories. It's true. It's true. One wild game. I am glad we booked tickets. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so am I. So am I. And obviously we went with our dads as well. And it wasn't, you know, your dad was very brave in wearing his English shirt. And it's actually so funny that because we were sitting apart initially in the second in the first half, and then we managed to sit together in the second. But your your dad had come over to give us some drinks and some crisps before kickoff. And he was, you know, proudly wearing his England jersey and jumper, sorry. And we had a couple of South Africans next to him, uh, next to us, and then this one guy was speaking in Afrikaans and like swearing at your dad, but your dad's just like <laughs> poking his ear saying, say what? Say what? Yeah. <laughs> Riling him up before kickoff. <laughs> hey, he knows it. And to be fair, he was wearing it proud that day. It has since been burned. And... <laughs> but yeah, the dads on tour were great fun. They were both love. I mean, your dad, how gassed was he? Oh, it was so good. It was so yeah. good to see. Like I honestly think I, I I might even have to give my dad credit for making me an armchair ref. The amount of times I've seen him shout at the TV from the couch and tell the ref that he's wrong, you know, it's ingrained. It's it's a part of who I am because it's a part of who he is. So shout out, dad. Yeah, I'm gonna shout out my dad for the same. Except me and my dad get all the calls wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we shout something at the TV it goes back to the TMO and it does not look anything like what we've just shouted Incredible. sadly sadly that's the environment that my mum and sister have learned rugby so they also can't make a call either uh, it's tough it's tough um, but I think you made a really good point in that New Zealand like even though they did get hammered by the box like they are going to bounce back Like they are still so good you know, they got off scot free with Scott Barrett not getting, you know, any suspension. Oh, I like yeah, do you like that one? Thanks. Thanks, man. I planned that out like five minutes in advance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, him not having any suspension for his two yellows that got, you know, combined into a red, and um, that's huge for them because their, you know, their locks, their depth isn't looking great, particularly with Retallic, Brady Retallic being out injured. I would much rather face France in the quarterfinals. And that might sound a bit crazy because it's going to be in France, you know, they'll have a home field advantage. But I just think that there's so much in every fixture between South Africa and New Zealand. And New Zealand have given us our fair share of absolute hammerings that have been worse than what we have done to them at Twickenham. So I feel like I would rather face France. No, oh, I just disagree. French crowds are supposed to be unbelievable and they are just good. Like literally one through 15, they are quality. 
you could also argue one through 15, the all backs are also really good. Maybe actually, what I should say is let's see what happens between New Zealand and France, you know, when they have their opening game, see who's looking hot, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, smart move, smart move. Mm. Although you have made your take and it is out of the world to hit. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm still going to be, I'm, I'm going to say uh, in this position that I'd rather face France. I would, I reckon we run them really close. You know, we nearly beat them with 14 men on the field. So I back us to do a job. We'll take whoever, scratch that. We'll take whoever, we'll give us Italy. We'll take him on in the quarterfinal. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, Mike, I just hope you get a quarterfinal. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I should probably, I shouldn't uh, speak too soon. Um, we we did mention there were two games at Twickenham this weekend. There was obviously the, the beautiful game between South Africa and New Zealand. And then there was the horror show, if you're an English fan, the most glorious day in Fijian rugby ever, where... Yeah, Fiji managed to pull out an absolute stupendous victory. Well, how do you feel, Ben? I mean, obviously, I've got it. <laughs> yes. I don't feel like a... But what I want to say is how good were Fiji? Oh, like, they so played good. a complete game. They have mm-hmm. all of the things that Fijian teams haven't had. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to lose to them, you at least want them to look good. And they did. <laughs> I think that's almost, that's very like a politician way to answer that question because you still lost to Fiji. And this is England's first loss to a tier two nation in their history. Like that's diabolical from your standpoint. Like you don't want to care about how good Fiji looked. Like let's talk about how poor England looked. (laughs) I'm going to come out and say it. We didn't look great. But yeah. we actually didn't look that you bad. Were say. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't look that bad either. Um, VG were just better than us, and mate, they're higher than us in the world rankings now. So yeah, that is so funny. But now we're expected to lose to them. It's fine. I'm really happy for Fiji. I, I think it's now going to make their group, you know, way more interesting because that that pool might even be the new pool of death. But We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, you can also listen to our World Cup mini-series and you'll find out more. Fiji, I think, are really developing great quality players. And I think that can be attributed to, not completely, but having the Fijian drawer in the Super Rugby Pacific, it, it just they're reaping the benefits. It's kind of why... You know, so many people are advocating for South Africa to stay in the rugby championships rather than joining the Six Nations because they're playing, you know, the best of New Zealand and Australian teams in the Super Rugby. It just means that the Fijian players are getting better, you know, naturally by playing the incredible competition week in, week out. Yeah, I I think I agree with you, but I think... Fijians have always been like some of the best rugby players about. Like if yeah. you think back and and like even like Semi Randranda, who was tearing up in the premiership the last kind of however long he's been in there, basically. I think my take is having that Fijian strewer means they have to have like the scrum and the lineup because 
I don't know many Fijian front rowers. I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. So building that months as well. Hey, he can kick from anywhere. Unbelievable. Yeah. What a boot on him. Like, I think those two components are pretty much all Fiji have been missing. And yeah. it's coming together. It, And I think that is because of the Fijian Drua, but you just love to see it. Yeah, no, you really do. And, you know, we we kind of quickly mentioned it earlier about how great Samoa looked as well. Like they, These tier two nations aren't as much in a tier below the tier one guys as much as we think. Particularly now we had the, you know, the rule change for the eligibility and these top guys were kind of past their prime and are coming back in, but they almost have a chip on their shoulder. And also they're playing for their home team where a lot of their families are still from, you know, so the passion is there. And, you know, we see the likes of, you know, the Argentinians like come to mind and the Italians that play with absolute pride. And these guys are, are much the same. It was very of uh, evident that there weren't too many tries that were kind of like through the middle. So like one pack mm. dominating the the other pack. A lot of the tries were kind of scored out on the edges. How good is it that Johnny May managed to score? You know, after being called up to the the World Cup squad as well. Like, that's, oh, that's I am so, so good happy. I rate him as like he just seems cool. You hear a lot of like weird stuff and like there's some chicken stuff and I don't really know what it is, but <laughs> like, but for me, he proper gives it his all whenever he puts the England jersey on. He does. And I respect it. I, I rate it. And we haven't scored a try or a back sense scored a try. Yeah. In like four hours or something. Mate. And he just come and did it. He said, I'm not in the World Cup squad. Now I am. Now I am. Yeah. What a way to announce himself back on the scene. We, we need to talk about how you'd argue... Actually, this is a good question to ask you. Do you think that your forwards or backs are more talented, like compared to the rest of forward packs and the rest of back lines? Ooh. I mean, at the minute, I'm tempted to say no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're not wrong, but if you have to choose no. one, which yeah, one would be higher what, ranked I, in the world? I joke. I actually don't think we're that far off things coming together but anyway we, we can get into that another time yeah. i think with our backs the problems the wingers and with our forwards our problems are tight head and hooker like that okay so i'm gonna say our forwards are better yeah i think our back row options and our second row options and mm. we've got some pretty good loose heads so i'm, I'm backing it okay now the reason i say that is you have had like a a carousel of tens, whether that be Ford, Smith, or Farrell, and none of them can seem to unlock the potential, the the prowess of your back line. You do have some really good players. Yes, I do think your your wingers are kind of up to scratches the rest of the world, but like Freddie Stewart, great fullback. You've got Ollie Lawrence, who's been absolutely phenomenal. And then you have, we can kind of have like two Lange or Daly that you know they're great threats still. And you can even have Farrell in there playing at 12. But, like, something's going wrong. They just aren't scoring, you know, with their backs. Yeah, and I think it's going to change. I mean, it's, it's all you a hoax. It it's a conspiracy theory. Is come Argentina, we're just going to unleash the real England. Mate, the internet's going to burn. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the thing is, I'm actually really worried it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, it's just so annoying that England have 
an e well i'm not gonna say easy like with their current form they might not even get out of their group like if you lose to japan be a sight to see but yeah like you guys are almost guaranteed a a quarterfinal and like because you even like argentina will be your toughest rival in the in your pool but like Japan, you know, they've had a really rough string of games lately in terms of their warm-up. Yeah. So I I back you to do a job over them even in your form. I just Samoa. as we said, they're playing oh, well. True, That's true. a risk. And I'm at I'm at that game. So I'm a bit oh. I'm a bit nervous. I was feeling well confident when I booked the ticket like a year and a half ago. <laughs> and now I'm pretty sweaty. <laughs> the thing is, like I can just already see the articles, right? If England managed to like get into a semi-final or you know, heaven forbid, a final again, or, just or like the redemption arcs is just yeah, no, we're not I'm not even speaking about that. You know, the redemption arc in the media and about like England were at the bottom, they were below Fiji in the world rankings, and they've managed to pull this out of nowhere. Steve Borthwick is I just I couldn't hack it. So I hope you go out in the groups. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> right, because right, I actually think it'd be really good for you because a it would show that having a head coach coming into a setup so late into a World Cup cycle isn't actually a good thing. So yeah, you like you should have stuck with Eddie, but you went out in the groups in 2015. Four years later, you were in a World Cup final in 2019. That maybe there's some merit to going out in the group stages. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not. I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the issue is, you know, even if you do go out in the group stages, shout out to Eddie Jones for saying this on BBC Radio 4, you're not producing young players to kind of come in for the next the next cycle anyway. You're not, the RFU hey. aren't producing the talent. Look, I'm not going to call this guy out, right? Imagine, imagine not changing the team for four years, and then be like, "There's no, there's no pool and depth of international players." What is this guy chatting? He was literally our head coach, not playing anymore. Uh, I don't know what's gone wrong. <laughs> I absolutely admire him. It's so funny. I, I feel like it's it must be so frustrating being an English fan because like he's now gone to Australia and picked all young players to kind of play like to build <laughs> towards 2027. It's just like, you know, everyone in England's kind of like wishing that he'd done this in the past. It, it, I'm not sure. Did you see uh, Elish Genge, you know, write on Twitter about everybody write us off now. We'll, we'll see you uh, in France or something along those lines. Yeah, 1 a.m. Uh, who said they could go out after that loss? I don't think that's okay. Nah, he's, <laughs> he's sitting in his room. He's still fuming in bed, I reckon. I reckon he's like scrolling on Twitter and like fueling with hate. <laughs> that's it. He's like punched four holes in the wall. And he's followed <laughs> his ex. He's gone mad. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no way they've gone out. There's no way. Nah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, you know, World Cup prep, England are not in their in the best position. Um, they yeah, under Steve Borthwick, I think it's almost they've won like three out of the past nine games or something to that to that sort. So yeah, you you're praying a miracle that you do manage to pull it together before the World Cup starts. Yeah, it's true, but 
on the bright side for England fans, you've just got to think how low our expectations are now and how good that means it'll be if we just get out of the groups. Yeah, yeah. Which is like really frustrating to hear because you should get out of the groups, but it is going to like be almost like winning the World Cup for you guys in the current form. But this is kind of where I don't think you're going to have too many tests outside of Argentina so that you might get out of the groups, but then you're still going to have to find some form to go deep into the tournament. Yeah, so whether you can pull it together for that, I don't think you will. I think we will. I think Argentina's first as well. So I think after that, there's kind of three games which we should win like on mm-hmm. paper. Winning three in a row is not something we've done since like, I don't know, like 2015. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> nah, 2019. But um, <laughs> But still, that's going to be massive. And winning gives you confidence. So if we can do that, come second in our pool, that means we play the winners of Pool D, which is probably yeah. going to be Fiji. And <laughs> we, weren't that, we weren't that far off. So I reckon we could do it. Mm, yeah. And I think you've also got to remember that you're going to have the addition of Farrell coming in, you know, halfway through the, the group stage as well, which will just be a massive boost, you know, to have him, you know, on the pitch. Yes, he's going to be in and around the camp. Yeah, to have him leading you on a pitch is going to be incredible. Yeah, definitely. And just just to kind of wrap up, what's your thoughts of Marcus Smith being at, at fullback? Oh, do you know what? I knew you were going to ask this. I was thinking about this before before we started. I don't want to like it. I, yeah. I just don't think he's a fullback. Mm-hmm. But every time he's come on, like he's made stuff happen. Yeah. So I kind of like, oh, I, I can't even, I don't know. But I don't think he's better than Freddie Stewart at fullback. That's just a given, right? So yeah. is Marcus Smith now, are they trying to, we mentioned this earlier about how South Africa have like developed these utility players and, you know, can cover multiple positions. Is this them thinking that they want to try and adopt something similar? They know that they're going to go maybe Farrell or forward at 10 and then keep Marcus Smith on the bench to either then cover 10 and 15. Yeah, I guess so. And I also think it, it kind of works for Marcus Smith in the way he he tends to, for his club, he doesn't play first receiver often. He plays mm. like second receiver. So the ball comes out to him. He's got more space and more options, mm-hmm. which is why I think that kind of 15 playmaker role works. I just can't imagine him dominating the air or... No. Or, yeah, or, or just positionally. Like, you just feel like there's something going on there or you wouldn't have specialized 15s. But, yeah. hey... I could be proved wrong. Yeah, you could be. You could be. I think it will be interesting. I feel like people would start to target him a lot if they were if he was put at fifteen. So it'd be really interesting to see how he like rises to that challenge. Favorite thing, well, the funniest thing about Marcus Smith is I feel like every time he scores, like he I know he's really happy, but he just looks so angry. Like every time. And he just I think I almost get irritated by his celebration because like he throws the ball. And then he like kind of like punches the air and kind of like, you know, he's like shouting, come on. But it almost feels like he's punching the wrong way. It just doesn't look right. And it just, it's just, you know, gets me a bit riled up that he's just not celebrating how I think he should be celebrating. Yeah, just knock out an opposition back. He's <laughs> yeah. like, one down. Yeah. <laughs> but it should be, uh, it should be really good. We're obviously a, a week out from the Rugby World Cup. So, uh, all of our questions are going to probably be answered sh- soon. 
yeah in our world cup mini series pool by pool guide so don't forget to listen to those <laughs> <laughs> so i guess that's enough rugby mike let's go on to general sport and mm-hmm. uh, you know what? i'm gonna start on nfl because that's Good. where we met that's, that's how we started as friends. That's so true oh that's our love story that is our love story we both <laughs> played a little bit of nfl <laughs> uni, well, american football yeah uh, we're not that we good. didn't make the big leagues yeah <laughs> and uh could have done i you know i it. hurt my i hurt my ankle you know so that's kind of what stopped me from going pro <laughs> yeah <laughs> pre-seasons well all the pre-season games are over and yep. um it's an interesting time like now is where everyone just gets hyped and thinks all of their teams are going to win the super bowl yes so I'm going to start off by telling you how the Giants are going to win the Super Bowl. Okay, okay. We might be <laughs> one and two in our preseason games, but when we've had our starters on the field, mm-hmm. we've won all of the games. All one. Yeah, all and... one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that was against the Panthers too. Oh, but our, our off-field additions, Darren Waller, yeah. tight end, and he has just looked unbelievable. I think he's going to mm-hmm. be our main kind of pass catcher this year. Yeah. It's our second year in the same system. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's more comfort for all the players in the yep. offense. All our draft picks look good. It looks like we're even going for two rookie cornerbacks to start. Yeah, um, crazy. Which is ballsy. Yeah. And I can't see it going wrong in any way. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in his last words. <laughs> This is this is what happens, you know. Every time Ben and I talk about preseason and NFL, you know, Ben gets so hyped that they're going to win the Super Bowl, and then they lose opening weekend of NFL, and then week in week out, it just like the hype gets lower and lower and lower. But maybe maybe this is the year. I don't think you'll win the Super Bowl. I reckon you will maybe contend for the conference championship, but I don't think you win the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, me neither. Um, <laughs> See, fools, he lies. Everyone, he lies to you. Absolute liar. Hey, it's not. It's it's fueling your inner hope. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I don't think we're even the best team in our division. We've got the uh, the Eagles who who came second last year. Yeah, and they've kind of just got stronger as well. So, mm-hmm. but I think I think it's going to be a good year for Giants fans. I mm-hmm. think we'll probably get a positive record, even though we've got tough teams to play but right I, i'd be optimistic if i were you and and if you're not then just don't message us <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no fair enough to be perfect, i think on my side of things for the carolina panthers i'm not thinking we're going to win the super bowl this season and i'm okay with that you know we've got a new coaching staff We've got a new rookie quarterback in Bryce Young. Our, our defense has pretty much stayed the same. We've added a couple of really good guys in, but our offense has completely been revamped outside of our O-line. So I think there's too much change to to kind of think that we are going to win the Super Bowl. And I don't think that's what everyone is thinking in the locker room. I think we know that this is the beginning of a project. So hopefully, to be perfect, I just want to win our division. I know that might be seeming like to put the bar low, but, you know, the NFC South has kind of been written off as, uh, you know, a lesser division than everybody else. Like last year, the Bucks just about won it because we bottled the game against them because we didn't have any healthy cornerbacks. Uh, and Mike Evans went for like 
three touchdowns in 350 yards or something. It was ridiculous. But like I think the Bucks have got Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback, who was our starting quarterback last year. So I don't think he's going to do any damage. He's he's going to bowl. Like, he's going to be dangerous. Man, he is the most Florida man you've ever met. And now <laughs> so... he's down in Florida. <laughs> you know what? I actually, I disagree. I think Gardner Minshew, true, I think true. he's the most Florida man I've ever seen. Like he's rocking jorts and, you know, he's kind of like that, the Tiger King kind of hairstyle, like with the mustache. The mustache. But, oh. Anyway, we're, we're digressing. Like I do feel that this year you've got Derek Carr being the quarterback for the Saints. And the Saints have picked up some really good guys as well in this offseason. And the Falcons, I think we'll still beat the, the Falcons, but it would just be really good for us to A, get a positive record and to win the division. I think if we can win the division, that's like seen as a successful season for us. Even if we get uh, one rounded out of the playoffs, then I think that's fine. We just kind of need to show the rest of the league that the Carolina Panthers are serious enough to kind of bring people in in the upcoming years to come play for us. Hey, I I think that's ballsy of you. I don't want to I don't want to hate on your team because I'm not saying this to be harsh. <laughs> Mate, I just think your O line's a bit like a sieve, and you've yeah. got a rookie quarterback. I think to win your division is going to be tough. I think you've set your expectations a bit high. And normally it's me doing that. But I feel like this could be a big year of growth. Like, I think next year you'll be stronger because you won't have a rookie quarterback anymore. Um, Hopefully not. That'd be pretty (laughs) poor. But I would like to see you guys win some games. So so would I. So would I. There's nothing worse after watching like four hours of a game and your team loses on a Sunday. Like, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. I don't think the bar's set too high. I, I do worry about our offense. I really do. I'm not that worried about our O-line. We It, it is a little bit annoying because Austin Corbett is our our guard and he's like coming back off an ACL injury and he's still, he won't be back at least for the first four games. So I feel like when he comes back, it will take him some time to get back into form again, but I back the rest of the, rest of the O-line to figure it out. And Bryce Young, he's just, he's just a baller. Like, even though he's had limited game time in the preseason, he's just looked the best rookie quarterback there is, uh, you know, out of the last year's draft or this year's draft, I should say. So I'm not worried. I just don't think our wide receivers are that great. And they didn't look, they didn't look particularly troublesome for opponent defenses. And again, the running back position, we've got Mar Sanders, who's a great pickup for us, but then our depth as well. We got we uh, waived Spencer Brown, and I'm not super confident in our offense. I think our defense will do great things and keep us in ball games. Um, so hopefully, we just get some Alabama magic from Bryce Young to put a couple of wins in the column. Yeah, let's hope some nine six wins for you guys this season. Let's go. <laughs> hey, a win is a win. I'm, I'll take it. I will take it. I'm not complaining. But kind of on a more serious note, unfortunately, there's still so much drama going on around the whole podium situation uh, with the Spanish uh, women's football team. And I I can't believe it's been made out to be this huge saga. Like, it it seems, it, it just feels like they're focusing on the wrong thing. Well, 
it's definitely serious enough to focus on, but it, they shouldn't be focusing on anything of the sorts. They just won a World Cup, and like you don't hear about that in the in the news anymore. It's all about this this incident. Yeah, no, I'm fully with you. I'm I'm actually kind of gutted for the players, right? Because you know where they were, never winning kind of a World Cup knockout game. You know all of the adversity, come through, win the yeah. World Cup, and for this just one dude to just ruin it, like ruin mm-hmm. the media. It's not going to take the hype away from them, but from the country. And mm. yeah, it's heartbreaking for them. It, it really is. It, it's good to see that, you know, there's almost a unity pretty much in everybody else, like around outside of Spain or outside. Yeah, they all stand with the Spanish team because, you know, they have kind of, you know, all signed something that they're not going to play unless this guy has been sacked. I just saw something today, actually, that, so they have the Spanish Administrative Sports Court have opened a, a case against Louis Rubales, but they, it's for a serious breach of misconduct instead of a very serious breach of conduct. And if they'd actually deemed it being very serious, then the government would have been able to intervene and actually suspend him immediately. But they aren't actually able to do that because they class it as a serious breach of conduct. We hope that conclude the the investigation quickly and come to the what seems to be like the straightforward answer. Yeah, and we'd also be very happy to pay into a GoFundMe to put a hit out on this dude. Um <laughs> just for just for ruining the vibes. And <laughs> what's crazy as well is that the limelight's been on the the president for you know what he did on the podium, but you know, this is almost taking the the heat off their coach Vilda and the poor acts that he's been doing. When he, you know, I don't really want to go into the the details, but he performed a inappropriate act against one of his female coaches. I think I think she was a coach or part of the staff. She was a team member. You know, that's not being talked about anymore. I think the 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 women's team do want to eliminate both of them out of the the Spanish women's setup. But yeah, he's not been in the limelight at all recently. I think to put kind of a positive spin on it, because it is all bad news, like, mm. or like how much more impressive is it, like, with all of this going on, that they still managed to do this? Like, I think it's sad that it's taking away, as kind of I mentioned before, but mm-hmm. it is so impressive, so big for them. And, and hopefully it can all get sorted and kind of, mm. you know, women's football in Spain can push on from this. Yeah. Um, and do great things going forward. I agree. I think it almost is like setting up to be like a great documentary in the in the future. Oh, like I, I really hope. I really hope someone's kind of been following. It, obviously, they'll have so much footage from you know the the drama that's kind of happened, but they it's absolutely historic what they've done and their their ability to kind of forego the dramas and everything going outside of the game and focus on it and still win the biggest you know trophy in football is just absolutely commendable yeah 100 percent. and ben to, to talk about another positive spin i want to talk about Ooh. simone biles and oh. uh, yeah that was i felt i heard you say positive spin and i was like that is such a little good segue <laughs> 
<laughs> and for, so for those who don't know who Simone Biles is... What um, rock have you been living under? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Get on the internet. Stop reading books. <laughs> Stop playing outside and watch some TV. She is a probably arguably one of the greatest gymnasts of all time. She's a US athlete that... I, she's tiny. She's like five foot maybe but her ability all round ability and all of the aspects of gymnastics is just phenomenal it's off the charts and the reason why i wanted to bring her up is she had about a maybe a year and a half two year uh gap you know, some time away from the sport she she wanted a mental health break and you know absolutely fair enough to her and i thought it was really good she was very open about it uh and how I feel like particularly in America, like their athletes are under so much pressure and mm. they, yeah, they, they just feel like the weight of the nation on their shoulders because they're expected to win like at literally everything that they do. So yeah, she, you know, took some time away and she came back and, you know, she's winning stuff at the U S Nationals. So, you know, she's hitting form again, uh, I don't know if she's actually said she will compete at the Paris Olympics coming up next year, but I'm sure she'll have a, her eyes set on some more golds. Yeah, hopefully, because, mate, how much room do you reckon there is in her trophy cabinet? I reckon she's going to have to get a bigger one. Yeah, absolutely. She's got she's got to, right? Like, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous what she's able to do. It's, yeah, it's, it's great for her to be back in in the sports not just for gymnastics but just for sport in general like we always want to see the the top level athletes competing at the highest level so it's great to have her back in the sport okay so the the final segment of the the podcast is outside calls where we kind of give you you know what we what we think you should put your eyes on this weekend and what what great sport there is going to be to watch and it's a tough one this weekend because there's no rugby. <laughs> there is no rugby, but I almost I, I think I enjoy that because now there's a little bit of a build up towards the Rugby World Cup that kicks off on on Friday. It kicks off at I think eight o'clock our time in British GMT. So New Zealand France definitely want to watch that. A because it's the there'll be the opening ceremony for the World Cup, but also you know what a great opening fixture. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> I literally just replied in my head. <laughs> yeah, I I'm so hyped for that game. I am so hyped. Yeah, it, it'll be so good. And obviously, we just realised that Paul Willemser has also been ruled out of the World Cup as well, which has huge implications. But enough about rugby. There's still so much other sport that's going on this week. So if you're a big cricket fan, there's, there's some good T20 matches that are currently going on. Um, we've had two rounds of England versus New Zealand and also South Africa versus Australia. The first one was on Wednesday and it was an absolute England one by seven wickets. It was, wasn't even close. And it was a really good debut for for Kars. The I'm pretty sure he, he sounded South African, but he had, he had four overs. He had three uh, 23 runs against him. He had three wickets as well. Like it was a great debut for him. Harry Brook and uh, David Malan—they were just so comfortable with the bat. It wasn't—it wasn't even close. And then you managed to watch a glimpse of the the second test, the second T20. 
Yeah, I did. And Harry Brook again came strong, you know, smashed with kind of 67. And Johnny Bairstow, he, he kind of recovered from his first day nightmare and, yeah, uh, yeah hit 86, which is uh, huge. 86 out of 198 is a pretty serious, serious, yeah, serious guy. Yeah, so. it's, it's not bad at all. And we've also had South Africa versus Australia, both of them. I mean, South Africa cricket, the Proteas aren't just, they're just not in a good spot right now. Like Australia won the first T20 by 111 runs. Like that is Oof. embarrassing. And they won by eight wickets in T20. So the third one will be going on on Sunday. So keep an eye out for that if you're if you're a big cricket or, fan. Or, or don't. Uh, it sounds like you don't want to watch it if you're South <laughs> yeah, African. Um, yeah, to be perfectly honest, just get hyped for the rugby. Don't, <laughs> don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got the... Formula One that's happening this weekend. We talked about Max Verstappen equaling the record for nine wins in a row. So hopefully see him break the record or maybe not, you know, if you don't like Max. But we are sending a correspondent live to the action uh, for the Monza GP. My sister and dad are going to the event live. So we can, uh, we'll get some on the ground commentary from them. Yeah, and we'll also get them to both send in their best F1 car noise and uh, we'll, we'll be judging that next week. <laughs> that is a great idea. That is a great idea. <laughs> yeah, what else do you think people should watch this week then? Well, Mike, it's the US Open. Mm. So if you are a tennis fan, this is one of the four times a year to watch it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and mate, have you seen what they've been doing with AI? Oh no, why? What's been going on? If you watch back the games, because obviously there's so many players' mm-hmm. games, if for players that are not on the main court, they're getting AI to like tell you what's happening, like after they win a point. So it's like, oh, big forehand there. It's pretty cool. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, that's so good. So like everyone's getting I mean, like coverage, like even if they aren't being televised. Yeah, yeah. So it's like um, text to speech AI. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I saw this on an Instagram reel. I'm pretty sure it's true. But um... <laughs> okay, so sources need to be confirmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If you if that was right, who would you want to commentate your like tennis match? Because obviously, like, if it's AI, you could like choose to have somebody, someone's voice to commentate over the points. Hey, Arnold Schwarzenegger, no, no doubt in my mind. Yeah, what about, the Terminator. What about like David Attenborough? Like that, that and he's oh. hit a wonderful point there. <laughs> yeah. Two wild tennis players going back and forth on this hard, this hard court on a great summer's day. Yeah, <laughs> and Andy Murray's family will be going hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the U.S. Open will be really good to watch, and it's always a close. Uh, I feel like on the female side of things, like it's such a, it's so close at the top of the top of the game that anybody can win it. Just before the US Open started, they had the Cincinnati tournament where Djokovic and uh, Carlos Alcaraz went head to head in the final. It was it was a, a best of three, so Djokovic did come out in the third set, but Carlos is going to look to go back to back and win two majors in a year. So let's see if the young gun can do it. Absolutely huge for him. Yeah. I am supporting Djokovic. I love Djokovic. Hey, he is the villain that tennis needs. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. <sighs> he, he is the villain. But I, I'm I'm team I'm team Alcaraz, like all the way for sure. I just I just love Djokovic. Like you see the video of him with like the umbrella and, and the your ball boy yeah, giving him yeah, banana. Yeah, yeah. What a good time. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like it's it's really great to see like someone so young as Algaraz that like because you kind of had like the Zverevs, you had the Titsi passes. You know, these guys were supposedly to be the the next upcoming talent that was kind of competing against the top four, but they've not really they've not really elevated you know into that position. Like we also think like the Medvedevs as well, but. Alcaraz has kind of shown that you know he can compete with the Djokovic's and he is the the start of this new generation. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I tell you what though, there might still be time for some of these players because when you think of uh, Nick Kyrgios, mm. like back in the day, he was the young gun who was supposed to compete and and kind of didn't for a while, mm-hmm. and then he's kind of come back again recently. Yeah. And I wouldn't write these guys off. I'd like to see see him come into it. Without the pressure. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. They, they're still really young because obviously you can come into the professional game at such a young age in tennis. So, yeah. But anyway, so the US Open is going to be something to keep your eyes on. And then we mentioned the NRL earlier, but at the same time, college football is kicking off this week. Uh, or It's already actually begun. Yeah, they've, they've always got some games that go on like all through the day, which is which is great for us. Yeah, exactly. Works perfectly for like time difference as well if you're in England. So yeah, it's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. So my, I'm going to say it's my alma mater, NC State, the Wolfpack. They managed to actually get the win over UConn, which is a huge upset. Start off the the season one and zero. So I couldn't be happier to be perfectly honest. What a great start. Great, great. What's your what's your matchup of the week then, Mike? If you were watching one, I think uh, it's always great when. You kind of see like the top, like one of the top teams, like go head to head. So I think uh, LSU are ranked five in the in the country right now, and they're up against FSU, so Florida State, who ranked number eight. You can't go wrong with that matchup, to be perfectly honest, because you also get you in the beginnings of the season, you'll have like a lot of the top teams playing some weaker teams in their division, and they kind of tend to be big blowouts, but so I think this top 10 matchup should be definitely something to watch. Cool. I'll, I'll have to tune in. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. But yeah, I think that's there's still a lot to watch. If you're a rugby fan, there's still plenty of other, other sports to, to feast your eyes upon. It's not long before we have endless rugby until mm, the end of October. So our time's coming. Our time will come. <laughs> but that about wraps it up for us so yeah thank you all for listening yeah no thanks for listening guys and um yeah get ready to rate the best f1 car noise next week (laughs) it should be good it should be if you feel uh you know obliged to send us in your own f1 noise and to be uh you know included in the competition then yeah we're we're open to it yeah we might even get them all together and and have like a grid start Yeah, so stay tuned. Stay tuned next week for that one. Nice.